What's up, SMC? How we doing? Hey, I don't know if you guys know this. There's actually two SMCs. There's one going on in Dallas right now. And I actually flew here from Dallas last night. I got to be honest. You guys got something going on here that is not happening in Dallas. And so, hey, I'm just pumped. That's right. I'm pumped to be here with you guys. Hey, I have something in common with a little bit of everybody in the room. Uh, any Kansas fans here? Kansas, okay, Jayhawks. Yep, I went, to high, I went to the same high school as Bill Self, all right? So, hey, we got some commonality there. Uh, Kansas State fans? Yep. Uh, I went to college at OU. The football coach, Bob Stoops, was under Bill Snyder. That's right, hey, did I hear a boomer? Come on, all right, front row. This was the Lord. Uh, I am, yeah, so hey, and for everybody else, I was in your seat uh, in 2004 at my first SMC. And so, man, being here is a joy for me. I'm just so pumped to be here. Um, I want to introduce you guys to my family. Uh, This is them right here. Uh, That's my son, Colt. He's two and a half. You'll be hearing a lot about him. That's my daughter, Sailor. She's 10 months old. And my wife, Kelsey, who's here tonight. And so if you'd see her, I'd love for you guys to say hello. Uh, but this doesn't really sum up my kids' personalities. This one is more of my son. He's a little mob boss, little, uh, you know, a little scar face in him. Uh, he commands me from the throne of my own bed. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, you know, that's, that's my son. This is Sailor summed up in a picture. Uh, yeah, you say ah, but then you zoom in and bam! Yeah. You realize she's giving you the bird. I mean, not you. She's, it's me. Uh, but she kind of she runs my life right now. Uh, I love her, but they, they keep me busy. Um, and so, hey, I want to take you guys back to 1992. So in 1992, I was seven years old, and I published my first and only book. Uh, it was impressive. I walked into my second grade class and my teacher said, hey, you're going to write a book and it's going to be titled Someday. And the theme of this Someday book is going to be that someday you want this to be true of your life. And so for a seven-year-old, like, that's kind of like, kind of deep, you know. And so I wanted to bring you guys into my uh, seven-year-old mind about what I was thinking about the purpose for my life. And so here's, here's page one. Someday... I want to be the best soccer player in the world because I want to go to the World Cup. Hey, that's honorable, right? This was 92, the World Cup was in 94, and, and I thought I was going to be there at a nine-year-old, uh, as a nine-year-old. It didn't happen, uh, but, you know, then, you know, I went on to the next page. Hey, someday I want to be the best basketball player on the team. So you saw where my athletic, you know, it's like, hey, I want to go to the World Cup, and it's like, dude, I just, I just want to be good on the team, you know? It's like... This is sad. Uh, You know, someday, uh, next slide, someday I want a million dollars so I can get a mansion. And so, hey, I don't know what you guys thought a mansion looked like when you were seven. You can mock it, but it's big. It's got a crooked roof line. It's fine, all right? It's fine. Uh, Someday I want to be a stuntman because everybody will clap for me. And so, uh, I don't know. I don't know, I was the third child. My parents were like, hey, raise yourself. I lacked affirmation. I don't know, all right? Uh, Being vulnerable from the stage. 
you know, you see kind of, this is, a, this is obviously a diving board if you're wondering what's happening here. And that's a pool of water that's very small. It's very Evil Knievel-esque. Uh, it's fine. Um, but hey, so this was my life at seven years old. And you're like, Jason, why are you like giving me this flashback? And he, here's the reason. is because of largely speaking, 12 years later, when I ended up in your seats at 19, the purpose of my life had not changed. The purpose of my life had not changed. I wanted to make money, I wanted to be the best at what I did in life, and I wanted to be cheered along all, all along the way. I mean, I think for, for a lot of us, we can relate with that, right? And that's, that's what our purpose is in our life tonight. But is that why you were created? Because that's what purpose is. Purpose is the reason that you were created. I believe we all wrestle with this one question, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? In other reason, or in other words, what did God create you to do? Why do you exist? What is my purpose? Guys, until you know your purpose, you will always settle for short-term solutions. You'll always settle for short-term solutions. Uh, hey, as people, we are purpose cravers, right? We crave purpose in our lives. And for a lot of you guys, maybe your purpose currently sounds a lot like what my purpose in college sounded like. My purpose in college was like, hey, I want to get a 4.0 this semester. Or, I mean, let's be honest, guys. We, mine was like a 3.0. You know, if I could just get a 3.0. Uh, get into grad school, if I could hold leadership in my Greek house, if I could just play on, the, on the, the team that I'm on in my college, man, that is my purpose. And guys, those aren't bad purposes, but they're short-term. They're temporary. And so as a result, we end up stacking short-term purpose on short-term purpose, and then eventually you're not in that fraternity. Eventually you're not in that school. Eventually you don't have that job. And we scrounge for a new purpose. I was talking to a college student at the University of Texas. Uh, his freshman year, his name was Dylan. And man, Dylan had it going on. Uh, he just rushed the most prestigious fraternity. He's good looking. He's athletic. Uh, it, you know, he, he comes from a very wealthy Texas family, and I'm across the table from Dylan. And I'm like, hey, Dylan, what role do you want faith and God to play in your college experience? And he said, man, Jason, I gotta be honest, I, I'm doing pretty good. And so I was surprised when Dylan called me his junior year. And I'm across the table from him, and man, Dylan had drank deep of temporary purposes. Man, his older actives in his fraternity said, hey, the hookup culture and alcohol, man, that's what you, that's the fraternity win, and so he drank deeply of it. Man, his professors said, hey, getting that right GPA, getting that right internship, that's the win, and so he got it. And here he is as a junior, he's got his dream job in investment banking. He just was social of his fraternity. He's dating the most attractive girl. Everything's going from, for him, and he looks across the table from me. He says, Jason, I have no purpose. You guys ever feel like Dylan? You ever feel like you're giving your college experience to temporary purposes that just don't lead 
to long-term joy. And what if there was a purpose that was so constant, so consistent, that it could be your purpose from today to the rest of your life till the day that you died, and you knew with absolute certainty that it was the purpose God designed you for? Guys, there is. There is. God so clearly defines the purpose for your life that it's the first command that God gave mankind in the book of Genesis, and it's the last thing that Jesus said on this earth before he left. And in the book of Revelation, in the last book of the Bible, it's the culmination of people living for this purpose. I want you to think about that. The first thing that, Je- or the first thing that God commanded The last thing that Jesus said and the end of the Bible is this one purpose. Guys, your purpose, your purpose that's constant is to multiply by making disciples. Your purpose that is constant is to multiply by making disciples. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we multiply? How do we live for that purpose? Hey, tonight we're gonna look at a text, Matthew 28. And it's the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples and he's going to spell out with extreme clarity what it means for us to live for this purpose. Now, before we do, I, I want to frame these four verses, okay? The four verses that we're going to look at. So there's a, there's a man named John MacArthur. He's one of the greatest Bible teachers of our time. He says, if anyone understands all the rest of the gospel of Matthew but doesn't understand this closing passage, he has missed the point of the entire book. It is not an exaggeration to say, in its broadest sense, it's the focal point of all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Guys, what this guy just said is it's the focal point of the Old Testament and the New Testament point to these four verses. Guys, lean in. What he just said is that if you don't understand these four verses, you will never understand your purpose. And so with that, guys, I want to look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says this, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And so what's happening in the context of this is that Jesus had just died and he came back to life. A dead man had just come alive. And he gathered the men that were closest to to him and he wanted to remind them not to go back to temporary purposes with their life, but to live for the one constant purpose of their life. And so I just wanna make four observations tonight about these four verses. And just kind of unpack that. What does that mean for us while we're in college and beyond college? And so the first observation is that your purpose starts 
in being a disciple. Your purpose starts in being a disciple. Now, I know some of the other SMC speakers have talked to you guys already about what it is to be a disciple. But that actual word, disciple, really, really matters. And it especially matters in our context. Uh, because we don't really use that language, right? But here's the thing, is that God could have called his followers anything. Like, think about that. He could have called them the boys. He could have called them, like, my 12, the 12 men, you know. It's like, but for whatever reason, in the Bible, it chooses the word disciple. And that word in Greek means mathetos. And it's where you get the word mathematics. And so the very idea of being a follower of Christ was that you would multiply, that your life would end up multiplying. Let me tell you why that matters. The actual word disciple means apprentice. And what an apprentice is, is an apprentice is somebody who lives like or learns from someone to live like someone, right? And so these disciples, they wanted to learn from Jesus to live like Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to live like Jesus. Guys, in college, I was a little bit of a chameleon, okay? Uh, you know, I, I feel like I can relate kind of with everyone, maybe in the room a little bit. Uh, man, my, you know, I, I was in a fraternity, and I held leadership positions. Uh, I was on a football team. I uh, lived in the dorms. I was involved in student government. And so, man, kind of wherever you're coming from, I feel like maybe, you know, I, I have some experience as to where you're at in life. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you walked into my fraternity chapter meeting, my football huddle, or my dorm floor. If you said, hey, stand up if you're a Christian, Everyone stands. But if you walked in and you said, hey, who of you are learning from Jesus to live like Jesus? That's different. That's why that word matters. Your purpose starts in learning from Jesus to live like Jesus. Your purpose starts in being a disciple. Second observation. You can go two slides, please. Your purpose is rooted in Christ's authority. Your purpose is rooted in Christ's authority. In verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You see, what Jesus was saying here is that he's saying that he has both the right and he has the power to define the purpose of your life. Think about that. Jesus, because he created you, he has the right and he has the power to define the purpose for your life. Hey, hey, are there any hunters in here? Figure we're in, in Kansas. We got hunters. All right, we got some hunters. Some hands going up. Everybody's like, I don't know. Do I raise my hand? Uh, can you see me? Hey, I see you. I see you. A couple months ago, I got invited on a dove hunt. You know, it's kind of embarrassing to even call that hunting. It's kind of like uh, sitting in a chair and shooting things. Uh, 
But I got invited dove hunting, and uh, you know, I love dove hunting. It's fun, it's social, and, and so one of my buddies was like, hey, dude, you gotta come dove hunting with me. And I'm like, all right. And he's like, hey, I'm gonna drop a pin. You just meet me out there. It's gonna be amazing. And so I'm like, all right. So I get in the car, 45-minute drive. I pull up to the pin, and you know, usually when you go hunt, like, there's not things. You know, it's like you're in the woods. But this is what I pull up to. I'm in a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood, and I can like see homes being built, and I'm confused, and I'm just like, what are we doing? And he's like, dude, the birds are flying here. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, dude, they are flying. It's like, hey, dude, the birds are flying. Like, <laughs> flies and dies, we gotta, we gotta spank them, let's do it. And so, hey, we, we circle up, and we're just blasting them. I mean, the birds are falling like manna from the skies of heaven. We're just bam, 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 bam. You know, bird, bird, bird. They're falling on the concrete, and we're just like, this is amazing. Hey, if you're like a huge animal lover, I know that's probably a little bit too far. Uh, I apologize, it's been said. Um, but I'm looking out of the peripheral of my eyes and I see a cop car coming. And I'm like, I'm unloading. Like I'm taking the shells out and I'm like on the car. You know, it's like, take me to jail. Like I'm, I'm ready. And he's like, hey guys, you know, keep shooting. It's like, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm gonna keep shooting while this police officer's pulling up. And he goes over and this is my buddy David. He goes over and he's talking to this cop. He talks to him for a couple minutes. The cop rolls down the window and waves at us, gives us a couple honks, drives off. Kid you not. So David walks back. And I'm like, David, what did you say, man? I got to have that in my back pocket for a rainy day. Like, what did you, what was it? And he goes, man, all I told them was that I own this. This all belongs to me. Those houses are mine. I'm the developer of this land. It was like a Lion King moment, you know, it's like as far as the eye can see. And I'm like, I'm like, wow. Guys, because David owned that land, he had both the right and the power to say what happens on it. He defined the purpose of it. God owns you. He created you. He has both the right and the power to define the purpose for your life. But you know, we, we're obedient to commands based on how we see people, right? And so uh, I bet there's some crypto investors in here. You, you guys are young enough, right? It's like any extra dollar we're dumping into the Bitcoin. Uh, you know, let's say you're walking outside of the hotel and you see a homeless guy and the homeless guy says, Hey man, Dogecoin's really going up, you should buy. You're probably not like, ooh, okay, I'm gonna like make a big purchase of Dogecoin. But you go back to your, uh, your dorm room and your roommate's like, hey dude, I've really been reading up on the market, Dogecoin's going up, and you're like, okay buddy, you're like, your 1.5 isn't gonna retire me. And so you don't buy it. But if you sit down with a financial advisor and they're like, hey, Dogecoin really needs to be part of your portfolio, you're like, ooh, maybe I should buy this. But if Elon Musk calls you and he says, hey, you need to buy Dogecoin, what do you do? You get off the phone and you buy. <laughs> Why? Because we believe Elon Musk has both the right and the power to give that command. 
The problem with some of us in this room for our purpose is you see Jesus more like the homeless man than you do Elon Musk. And so you don't invite him to define the purpose for your life. Your purpose is rooted in Christ's authority. Third observation. Your purpose is lived out by making disciples, reaching and teaching. Your purpose is lived out by making disciples reach and teach. In verse 19, it goes on, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, or baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Hey, if you have a Bible, I want you to underline the word make disciples. And I want you to circle the word baptize. Because in this verse, we see the strategy of Christ. Your purpose is lived out through this strategy. What Jesus means by baptize, the easiest way to summarize it, is what he means is that you got to lead people to Christ. That you have to find people who do not know Christ, and you have to lead them to Christ. It's the evangelism piece of your purpose and your calling. See, your purpose is not rooted in taking Christians and trying to help them become better Christians. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is rooted in finding people who are not following Christ and helping them to follow Christ, to reach them for Christ. I know what some of you guys are thinking. Like, Jason, I do that through the way I live my life, right? I work with college students, so I hear this a lot. You know, Jason, I do that. It's just how I live my life. Guys, I'm going to be really short, quick on this one. Jesus was sinless, and he used words. Jesus was perfect. And he used words. Jesus was God in the flesh. And he used words. If we're honest with ourselves, the real reason that we say that is because we're like, man, Jason, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't want to be that girl. I don't want to be that guy on my my football team. I don't want to be that guy in my fraternity. I don't want to be that girl in my dorm. Guys, this is my... uh, Great uncle, Alfred Nafee. And that was the battleship he was in in World War II, the USS Meredith. It actually sunk during World War II during a late night Japanese airstrike. 60 men went into the water that night, many of them wounded. For three days and two nights, my great uncle, he swam to man after man who was wounded. He grabbed them and swam them back to the life raft, defending himself from sharks because there was blood in the water. After three days, he drowned. You know how I know that story? Because when I was nine years old, I was at a museum where they were honoring his life. And man, 
after man came up to me and he said, hey, your great uncle gave his life to give me 50 more years. You know what I've never heard somebody say whenever I've told them that story? Man, I don't want to be that guy. Never heard it. No, because we're inspired to be that guy. Because at risk to himself, he gave another man a chance to live. Man, he did it so that they could have a longer life. What are we going to do to help people reach eternity? Guys, your purpose is rooted in reaching. But it's not just rooted in reaching. It's rooted in teaching. Verse 20 says, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Hey, if you have a Bible, I want you to circle the word teaching. As you can see, if you underline make disciples, how do you do that? You reach someone and you teach them. You see, we're saved in a moment, but we mature in Christ over time. That's what happens. And so we don't just need somebody to reach us. We need somebody to actually teach us uh, what the Christian life is all about. And so check out what John Piper says. I love this quote. He says, people need to become Christians and people need to be taught how to think and to feel and to act as a Christian. That is a disciple. And so, man, our purpose isn't just in reaching people, it's in teaching people. This is my uh, buddy Brian. Guys, Brian walked into my fraternity my sophomore year of college, and he wasn't even in my fraternity. And the dude started a Bible study. Like, who even goes to that? You know, it's like, <laughs> why are you even here? And I went. And Brian, man, I remember him taking me to lunch and Brian spelling out the gospel for me and challenging me to follow Christ with my life. But Brian didn't just reach me. Brian taught me. Brian taught me how to think like a Christian. I remember I had all kinds of questions. Brian, hey, how can, you know, how can we trust the Bible? Hey, what happens to the person on the other side of the world, Brian? Hey, I don't know, man. How do I think about these things? And Brian would show me in the word, and we'd look at it together. Brian taught me how to think like a Christian. Brian taught me how to feel like a Christian. Guys, I have done some really messed up things in my life. I'm sure you guys can't relate. I mean, I really struggled believing that God could, God could forgive me, that God would want this broken life. Brian, he, he didn't just teach me how to think and feel. He taught me how to act like a Christian. Man, I remember I came from a really fractured home. Me and my dad, we had a really broken relationship. And Brian, he, he said, man, Jason, God has forgiven you. What does it look like for you to forgive your family? Because Brian didn't just reach me. Brian taught me. And here's the thing. 
is that we all need a Brian in our life to reach us and teach us. But we also need to be a Brian in someone's life that we reach and teach. We all need a Brian in our life to reach us and teach us. And we all need to be a Brian in someone else's life that we reach and that we teach. Your purpose is lived out by making disciples reach and teach. The fourth observation, guys, is your purpose is continued through Christ's presence. Your purpose is continued through Christ's presence. Jesus starts with himself and he ends with himself. He says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What Jesus means here is that if you're going to live out this purpose, guys, if you're going to live out the purpose of multiplying by making disciples, it's not just hard, it's impossible. It's not just hard, it's impossible, except with Jesus. Except with Jesus' presence. God's going to empower you to do things that you never thought you could do. This is my uh, son. I already showed you guys a picture of him. This is just for the Oz. Thank you, ladies. A few months ago, I took my, or my wife took him to an urban air park, you know, like a trampoline park. But my son's two and a half, so he can't really do a ton, you know. And so uh, he goes, and, you know, the kids are playing basketball, but, like, he can't really play. And the kids are playing dodgeball. He's not big enough to do it, you know. There's, like, this stand with, like, a foam pit, and he's too small to jump off of it. And so my wife comes home, and I'm like, hey, how was the, tra- how was the trampoline park? And she was like, man, it was kind of a letdown. Like, what do you mean it was a letdown? He couldn't do any of the stuff. And I'm like, that ain't happening. Not on daddy time. So the next morning we woke up, me and him, we go to the trampoline park, we kick in the door, bam! All the kids are like, what's going on? No, I'm just kidding, we didn't kick it in. We walk in, and the first place we go is we go to the basketball court. And so all these kids are shooting. I put them on my shoulder, and my, my son's just swatting people at the rim. You know, he's like, he's having like a heyday, you know. He gets on my shoulders. I like lift him up. He dunks. He's like hanging. He's having a great time. We go into the dodgeball place. Man, there's like that eight-year-old bully that's like always in the movies. That like, you know, his parents aren't even paying attention to him. Like, he's in the dodgeball place, and he sees my son, and he's, like, trying to smoke him with the ball. And I'm, like, you know, rejecting his balls and then just smoking him in the face. It's amazing. <laughs> we go to the foam pit. There's, like, a high school kid that's making minimum wage, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And it's like, we're going to do this. <laughs> you can try and stop me. But this is going to happen. I throw my son off into the phone bit. He has a heyday. Guys, he went from having one of the worst days of his life to having a day he'll remember forever. Why? Because I was with him. He was able to do things he otherwise would not have been able to do because I was with him. That's what Jesus says. When you live your purpose... You're able to do things that you otherwise would not be able to do. You can go into your fraternity. You can start that Bible study. You can share the gospel with that person. You know why? Because Jesus is with you. My buddy, uh, Philip Gobble, this is Phil. When Phil was a freshman in college, somebody 
met him in his dorm room. They, they reached him with the gospel and they taught him you know, how to, how to uh, mature in Christ, how to think and feel and act like a Christian. He believed that his purpose was to multiply by making disciples. And so as a junior, Phil's like, hey, Jason, I'm, I'm thinking I want to move back in that freshman dorm my senior year. And I'm like, hey, Phil, what are the obstacles, man? And he's like, well, the biggest obstacle is my scholarship requires that I live in this one place. And if I don't, they won't pay for my school or my lodging for a full year. And I'm like, that's, that's an obstacle, you know, <laughs> tell me more. And he's like, yeah, it's 30 grand. I'm like, hey, man, you know, <laughs> you need to make this call. You know, it's like, this is a $30,000. He's like, Jason, man, I believe this is where God wants me. And so Phil moves in his senior year. And you know what? For years after Phil left that dorm, there were generations of men who were both reached for the gospel and taught how to mature in their faith. So much so that people started calling floor nine in Castilian at UT Phil's floor, even after he was gone. I remember Phil went to the bursar and he was like, man, I gotta come up with a payment plan, 30 grand. And he walks in and he says, hey, you know, I have this 30 grand bill. And they say, I don't know, man. It says that you're paid in full. Guys, I, to this day, we have no idea how that happened. Here's what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that if you live out the purpose of multiplying by making disciples is that Jesus is going to pay off your debt. <laughs> Some people are like, dang it, man. I was about to move in that dorm. <laughs> Come on. What I am saying is that when you live out your purpose, Jesus will do the supernatural. Jesus will do things that you never expected because he is with you. Guys, that is your purpose. Multiply by making disciples. Big picture context, guys, Jesus just told them that that, that, told these disciples that that was their purpose. It was 12 men. And so, man, this is not how the disciples saw their life. Jesus saying, hey, I want you to go make Christians to the 12 guys, and it's your job to reach the world. That's not what Jesus said. It would have taken 11,098 years based on the current population of the world at that time, if the disciples shared the gospel with every single person without sleep, that's how long it would take for the world to get reached. 11,098 years, give or take a few years. Guys, making or multiplying by making disciples is a possible solution to an impossible task. This is how the disciples saw Jesus' command. Jesus looks at them and he says, hey, I want you to multiply by making disciples. Reach and teach. Reach and teach one man. 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 And before you know it, the world. So I got a question. Why is the world not reached?
temporary purposes. So how can we step into that tonight, guys? How can you step into your purpose? Three thoughts for you. The first one is latch on to a Brian. Latch on to a Brian. Latch on to a Brian. Guys, latch on to a Brian. I mean, I want you to latch on to a Brian like a Taylor Swift to drama, guys. Like, latch on. I want you to hold it. I I want you to not let it go. And I want you to think about a person, not a program. Think about a person, not a program. Here's the thing, guys. I love SMC. SMC is awesome. Have you guys had fun? It's amazing. SMC does not make disciples. People make disciples. And largely speaking, you're probably here tonight because somebody invited you. They've been trying to reach and teach you. And man, you need to latch onto them. You need to get as much time with them as they can. It could be a friend, it could be a staff person, whoever that person is. You need to latch onto them. And you need to both, and you need to learn what it looks like to mature in Christ. Latch on to O'Brien. The second thought is get trained to share your faith. Get trained to share your faith. You can't, if you can't reach a lost person, you can't live out your purpose. When I started spending time with Brian, guys, I had no idea how to talk about my faith. I had no idea how to talk about my faith with my fraternity brothers and any kind of context. The guys I played sports with, no idea. And so my faith was just this incognito, you know, hey, they're going to see my life. If you want to live out your purpose, you got to learn how to share your faith. Guys, when I was in college, I went to Kaleo. And it was the best thing for me to learn how to share my faith and have intentional conversations with people about the gospel. Jesus says in Luke 10 that his disciples were to be with them so that they could send them out to preach. There's two components to having someone multiply their life in you. One is that you have to spend time with them. The second is that you got to learn how to lead people to Christ. You have to, or you'll never live your purpose. The third, last thought for you guys is keep striving to multiply your life. Keep striving to multiply your life. I know for some of you guys here, man, you're like, Jason, I believe that. I believe that multiplying by making disciples is my purpose in life. And I've been trying to live it out on my campus. I've been trying to live it out in my dorm. I've been trying to live it out on my athletic team. And you know what? No one is interested. It's not true. Supernatural is on the horizon. Keep going. Keep going. It's your purpose. Guys, this is not a college temporary purpose. This is a lifelong pursuit. I've seen a lot of people get to this stage and they give up. They quit. Guys, don't quit. Keep going. In the 1930s, there was a guy named Dawson Trotman, and uh, Dawson Trotman, he was a guy that lived a lot for temporary purposes in his high school years. He was the captain of his basketball team. He was Valley Victorian, you know, his president of his class. So this guy kind of had it going on for him. Uh, he forwent college, and he decided that he was going to go work in a lumber yard, what a lot of people did, I guess, in the 30s. When he was 20 years old, uh, Dawson's life had kind of unraveled a little bit. It actually sounds a lot like a college student. Uh, he drank all the time. He was chasing women and got deep into gambling. And so that's what his life looked like. And one night, he decided to go to an amusement park. And while he was at the amusement park, 
he decided to leave and he'd been drinking a lot that night. And so he's stumbling into his car when a police officer walks up and handcuffs him. And that police officer said, son, do you like your life? He said, no, sir, I hate it. Two weeks later, Dawson Trotman decided to follow Jesus. And Dawson started devouring the Bible. He started reading the Bible because he knew that's what he needed for his life. And as he did, he came across Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And what Dawson realized is that his purpose was to multiply by making disciples. And he gave his life that no matter what people's profession, whether they were doctors, whether they were teachers, whether they were lawyers, hey, his job, whether they were in the Navy, whether they were in college, his job was to multiply by making disciples. Hey, why do I tell you guys about a guy that's been dead for 75 years? Because Dawson Trotman led a guy named Lorne Saney to faith. He reached him and he taught him. Lorne Saney led a guy named Gene War to faith. Gene War led a guy named Dan Williams to faith. Dan Williams led a guy named Harold Armstrong, who led a guy named Robert Wheelis, who reached and taught a guy named Brandon Grissom, who walked in the, uh, the Acacia Fraternity at the University of Central Oklahoma 60 years later. And he reached and taught a guy named Brian Smith. You know who walked in my door when I was a sophomore? Brian Smith. He didn't just reach me. He taught me. You guys see the power of multiplying by making disciples? Do you see why it's your purpose? Guys, a 20-year-old, 20-year-old, Changed my entire life. Who I married is different. The way I raise my kids is different. The way I interact with my family is different. Guys, my purpose in life is different because one 120, 20-year-old decided that his purpose would be to multiply by making disciples. I'm in a room with a lot of 20-year-olds. Imagine. Guys, I want to invite you tonight. Stop living for temporary purposes. I want to invite you tonight to make God's purpose your purpose. And by doing so, you'll own your life by multiplying. Let me pray for us. Father God, we just thank you that you care enough about us, God, to give us a purpose worth living for. That's not temporary, God, that that we can reach people with the gospel and we can teach them, Father, what it looks like to be a follower of you. And by doing so, that we can multiply through the generations. God, I pray for each of these students. God, I pray that they would see themselves as the means to reaching their dorm, their fraternity, their sorority, their athletic team. God, whatever their sphere of influence is, that they would recognize that their primary purpose in life is to multiply by making disciples, to be that person that stands firmly for the gospel and multiplies their life in another. I pray that we would be disciples of Christ 
that learn from you to live like you, not just cultural Christians. God, thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.